All right, y'all, we're going to go ahead and be starting a new series uh, as, as we approach this thing in the church that we call Advent. Everyone say Advent. Now, what is, what is Advent? Shh, okay, bring it in, bring it in. Advent is a time in the church calendar. Did you guys know there's such a thing as a church calendar? There is. Levi knows. Okay. So there's such a thing as a church calendar, which not just like New Life Church has a calendar, but like the entire church from around the world actually has a calendar. And during this time, as we approach Christmas, it's the time of Advent. Everyone say Advent. Advent. Everyone say Advent. Advent. And if you guys are distracted, let's, let's bring it in. Everyone listen. Everyone listen. I want to see everyone's eyes. I want to see everyone's eyes. I'm still looking to wait. I'm waiting for everyone's eyes. There we go. Okay. So it's this, it's this thing called, called Advent. And what Advent is, is, is we remember back to the people of God, the Israelites, who were waiting for the Messiah. Everyone say the Messiah. The Messiah was this, this promised anointed one that would deliver the people of Israel and, and bring them into a new covenant of relationship with God. And, and obviously we, we live in a world where, where Jesus has already come to earth and died, given his life and raised back to life. But, but Advent is a time when we, when we look back. Everyone say look back. Everyone, everyone look back. There you go. Okay. Advent is a time that we look back and we remember who God is and his faithfulness. Everyone say Remember. Okay, so as we, as we lean into this, I, I, love, I love talking about this, this season of Advent because it helps us remember the beauty of Jesus being born. So this is what we're going to do. I want us to go ahead and read a familiar passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. But this is what I want to do real quick. Mr. Jacob, I know I just asked you to turn up the lights. Can you, can you just turn down the house lights real quick? And this is what I want us to do. Um, I want us, most of you have probably heard this, this short passage before. It's a very typical Christmas passage, and I love it. But this is what I want you to do. For some of you, maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe closing your eyes is going to make you fall asleep. So just try to, just try to kind of be, be quiet for a second. And I want to read this verse, and I want you just to listen closely to these descriptions of the person Jesus, of this child that would be born unto us. If you want to close your eyes right where you're at, just go ahead and focus in as I read this passage out of Isaiah 6. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no and on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Let's go ahead and pray together, Junior High. Jesus, we thank you for this Advent season where we are able to look back and, and remember how amazing it is that 2,000 years ago, you came as a little baby, the very son of God, the one who created all things, who holds all things together. You came and took on human flesh. You came in and lived a human life, feeling pain, feeling loneliness, feeling all the things that, that my friends in this room and I feel. God, Jesus, I thank you that you have come to save us and that you have come to show us that we have hope in you. That even when we face 
difficult things in this life. Thank you that we have the assurance and the promise that you are with us. So, Jesus, would you help us to focus in on you for those of us who are tired or those of us who need hope in this room tonight. God, I pray that we would look to you and that we would hear your voice. We would know that you are close to us tonight. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's the name of Jesus we pray. And everyone said, amen. You can go and bring up those lights, Jacob. I don't want to fall asleep. How many of y'all know that we live in a world that desperately needs hope? Yeah? You can bring it a little, a little down from that. This is bright. Um, we, we live in a world that desperately needs hope. You don't, have to, you don't have to look far to see that the world that we live in is really broken, right? Like, like all you have to do is, is, is talk to some of your friends who are going through difficulty, who are going through pain and suffering. All you have to do is, is turn on the TV and you watch like two minutes of news and like the stories that are on TV and the things that you see are incredibly sad, right? Like we are constantly surrounded by the brokenness of, of the life that that we live in here on earth. Something that I get to do as, as a pastor here in New Life is I get to hear a lot of people's stories. Right? I, get to, I get to hear a lot of people's stories. I get to talk to you guys about the things that you're going through, the, the loneliness at school or difficulty in your family situation or different things that, that you go through on a day-to-day basis. I get, to, I get to know your parents and hear the stories that are going on there. But something I get to do is once a month I get to be pastor on site. It's just a little thing that pastors do where, where like for four or five hours, um, like at one time, I just, I'm ready on call to answer anyone who needs help. And, and I'm there just to, to come down into the lobby and, and whoever walks through these church doors, I get to sit down with them and listen to them and pray with them and hear about their life. And I, and I was just doing this just this past Monday and and it was, it was just a blaring reminder after, after Thanksgiving where for maybe for many of us, like you got to eat like lots of good food. You had like time with your families. Like you have friends. We have a lot of things to be grateful for, right? Like who, who's grateful in this place? I'm, I'm grateful for a lot, of, a lot of things. But as I'm listening to these people's stories, I, I'm hearing these people talk about incredibly difficult situations, Right, like I'm hearing this, this woman talk about how there's, there's brokenness in her family and there's people in her family cheating and stealing money from other people in, like, in their family. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. There's such brokenness and there's, there's, there's brokenness and sadness and abuse in their family. And I, I'm sitting with this woman as she is just crying her eyes out, just needing the help of God. I got, to, I got to sit with another man. I, I can't share their names, obviously, because these are, these are specific people who have their own stories. But I was sitting with this man who had recently gotten out of prison. He had just recently gotten out of, out of prison. He was about to be off parole. He was going to be a free man for the first time in decades. Okay, and, and, and while he was in prison, he actually accepted Jesus. And, and, and as he came into the church, what he wanted, he was like, Pastor Mateo, I, I just want to be able to, to like know Jesus and live a good life. Like I want to be able to, when, I, when I'm off parole, I want to be able to work a job, make money so I can have my own place and have a relationship with my teenage son. I want, I want you to think about this. Like, like this is a real person who has gone through incredibly difficult things. And all that this man wants is to be able to have a relationship with his son, to buy him a little Christmas present. And for those of you in, in this room 
this evening, the reality is that something that kind of unites us all as people is that we all live in a world where we need hope, right? Are you guys tracking with me? Like, like regardless of what your story is, like, there are difficult things in your life. Maybe it's in your family, maybe it's in your school, but wherever you are, we all need hope. And, and hope is one of the main things that we get to talk about and celebrate during Advent. Everyone say Advent. Everyone say Advent. You guys, you guys are quiet. Everyone say Advent. There we go. It was very quiet. But during Advent, we get, to, we get to celebrate kind of four themes. And the first of these themes is hope. Everyone say hope. And then see, as we talk about this theme of hope, I want to dig in real quick just to the two, two words that are used in Scripture in its original language in Hebrew that, that are the words that we use for hope. The first one is, is the word yachal. Everyone say yachal. I literally just coughed up a booger. I felt that in my throat. That was disgusting. But uh, you guys probably did too. But this word, yachal. Everyone say yachal. And what this word means is probably your favorite word on earth, especially when your parents tell you it or like your older sibling. It's the word wait. Everyone say wait. Look at your neighbor and say, bro, just wait. You two ladies. Look at, look at your other neighbor and say, bro, just wait. Some of you guys, like, want to square up with your neighbor right now, right? You're like, do not tell me to wait. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> okay, don't actually do that. Okay, okay. <laughs> bring it back. I should have said that. Okay, but this, this word in Hebrew, yachal, means to wait. And, and, and kind of, okay, bring it, bring it, bring it. This, this word meaning to wait or to hope, it, it means to, to wait in expectation of something better. Of something, of something good coming in the future. When you hope in something, you are waiting for a promise. Are you guys tracking with me? Come on, are you guys tracking with me? I need, I need you guys leaning in. Don't talk to your friends. Get off, get off your phones, right? So it's that, the first word is yahal, to wait. And the second word is kavah, which means it's this, it's this image of, of like, okay, imagine I have a cord in my hand, right? And, I, and just say like, this whole row of guys, okay, you're, you're holding the other side of the cord, right? So, like, we're playing tug of war. And this word kava, the imagery is that, like, there's this cord being pulled, and there's tension on both sides until it snaps. That was a really lame snap. Um, but, like, there's this tension being pulled until this moment where it breaks and something changes. Are you guys tracking with me? So, so these words that are used in the Old Testament for hope, there's this sense of Waiting with expectation. Waiting, believing that what God has, the, the fulfillment to the promise that God has for me is good. Everyone say good. I want to go ahead and, and, and lean into what, what this waiting has to do with Advent. If you kind of know the story of the Old Testament, we, we, just this past fall we went through the book of Exodus, right, where, where God calls the people of Israel out of Egypt and he says, you are my people, I'll be your God. And he makes a covenant with them, right, a relationship, like, like a marriage covenant. And so God makes a covenant with the people, but who's ever read like a good chunk of the Old Testament before? Yeah, like you get through Exodus and as you kind of move on to like the historical books, you got like Joshua and Judges and, and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, all the first and seconds. As you read through these, these books, what do you see? You see the people of Israel sin time and 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 time, kind of like we do, and time and time again. They sin over and over, which separates them from God. Everyone look at me. You guys are really distracted, especially over on this side. I need you guys to lean in, all right? But we see over and over in the, in the Old Testament that the people's sin leads them to saying, we don't really want God. We're, we're going to worship these other idols. And so it eventually leads them into exile. 
And while they're in exile, as, as they're separated from their homeland, and as they're in slavery and captivity to other nations, what happens is God starts speaking to, to the prophets. Everyone said prophets. And as God is speaking to these prophets, he makes a promise. And he, he actually makes this promise all the way starting back at the very beginning of Genesis. But he continues to, to speak to the prophets saying, hey, I want to send my anointed one, the Messiah. Everyone say the Messiah. And see, God makes these promises through prophets like Isaiah and Hosea and Amos and like all those prophets. But then if you know, if you know the story of scripture, God makes these promises and then what happens? There's a long wait. Is that uncomfortable? You guys hate waiting? Yeah, that's not probably weird. There's a long wait. God, God makes this promise way over here. Like if you're looking at a timeline and he says, I'm going to send my anointed one. He will, the government will be upon his shoulders. And God is making these promises. But then what happens in the in-between? In this, in this long timeline, the people are stuck waiting for not just a few years, not just for a few decades, not even for a hundred years. It's like four to five hundred years. Can you guys imagine that? Like, can, can, you guys, can you guys imagine how much time that is? You can't. Okay, let me, let me, let me try to help, help you understand. I'm going to blow your minds. Everyone ready to get their mind blown? Okay, I, I, this is, I literally looked these things up for fun because I was like, I can't even, like, I'm 21, so I can't even grasp, like, what 100 years is because, like, I've lived a fifth of that. And you guys have lived, like, a tenth of that, okay? Okay, I, I want you to imagine this. This is how much can happen in just a few short years. I'm yelling too much. I need water. Hold on. Ah, okay, okay. In 10 to 15 years, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years. Okay, so you guys are like 11, 12, 13, 14 in this room, okay? And just 10 to 15 years ago, guess what? Did you know there's no such thing as an iPad like 10, 15 years ago? You didn't know that? Like, like how many of you guys like growing up when you were like in lower elementary school, like you played games on like your parents' iPad? Like... Like, that didn't exist when I, like, when I was growing up. Like, I didn't, I didn't play games on an iPad. Like, that, in just 10 to 15 years, like, everyone and their mother has, like, an iPad. But, like, like 10 to 15 years ago, it didn't exist. Okay, okay, here we go, here we go. How about another one? There's no such thing as Instagram 10 years ago. Some of you guys are like, oh, my gosh. How could people like my photos? I look great in them. No, no, no. Like, there was no such thing as Instagram. Obviously, no TikTok. Obviously, no Snapchat. I've never been a Snapchat fan. I'm just not, I'm not about it. But, like, there was no such thing as any of those social medias besides, I think, like, MySpace and maybe Facebook, which you guys probably don't even use Facebook. Good for you. You don't need to. But, like, like 10 to 15 years ago, there's no such thing as Instagram. Like, you couldn't be like, I wonder what Dylan's doing. Like, oh, cool. Like, he's playing airsoft and got shot up by, by, by Michael. I got you guys. But, like, like, 10 to 15 years ago, that wasn't even a thing. Get, get this. Get this. 16 years ago, I had to stretch the number just a bit. 16 years ago, did you know that there's no such thing as an iPhone? Like, like when I was a little kid, like, I didn't grow up in a world where, like, everyone literally had an iPhone. If you didn't have an iPhone by, like, the age of, like, eight, it's like, what, do you look at Android or something? Like, like, like are you guys tracking me? It's like, no, no hate to Android. I know some of y'all, you would love an iPhone. But, but, like, listen, it's like, like, the world even changes in, like, 10 to 15 years so much. Like, everyone and their mother has an iPhone now. And, like, 15 years ago, ain't no one had an iPhone. If you had an iPhone, it was, like, probably the size of this computer. You're, like, trying to, like, text on this. Like, it, it would not have, that, that would have been weird. But, that's how much time can change in 10 to 15 years. I feel like no one's mind is blown. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going, okay? Who, who likes history in here? 
Okay, okay, this is for you history geeks. Okay, think about this, think about this. 100 years ago, which was 1922, yes, the world existed in 1922. Did you know that? Like, your great-grandparents were probably alive in 1922. Okay, in 1922, get, okay, this, this thing blew my mind. I read this and I was like, yo, like, I, okay, I can't imagine. Okay, ready? Get ready to get your mind blown. Is everyone ready? Is everyone ready? Is everyone ready? I'm making you, I'm making you wait. <laughs> I'm making you wait. Okay, shh. I'm making you wait. See, it's frustrating. Remember we are talking about hope, waiting? Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Okay, so 100 years ago, if you walked into the grocery store, guess what you wouldn't find? Guess what, guess what would not be there? Sliced bread. Like, like, did you guys know that, like, if you walked into the grocery store, like, in 1922, I don't know what they had. Maybe they had King Supers back then, which, like, if you're from Texas, you call Kroger. But, like, okay, in 1922, like, you would have to go and buy a loaf of bread and then, like, when you go home and, like, you're packing your lunch for school, how do you guys pack your own lunches? Like, your, your parents don't? Good for you. I respect it. You're learning how to adult. That's good. Okay. Okay, so, so imagine, like, you're packing your lunch, and you got, like, a nice loaf of, like, country white or, like, which is not my favorite bread, but, like, or, like, like honey wheat. And guess, guess what you got to do? You got to slice each piece. You got to, like, get rid of the end piece because, like, hey, that's nasty. You don't want that. But you have to, like, cut your own bread to make peanut butter and jelly. Can you guys imagine that? Who, is anyone's mind blown? You didn't, like, bread has not always been sliced. Thank you, Noelle. You're, yeah, I got you. Okay, how about this one? How about this one? This one's funny to imagine. You have to imagine this with me, okay? And we're ready. Imagine, imagine we are in a movie theater, okay? Okay, imagine, like, you're in a movie theater. It's 1922. Like, imagine, like, you were wearing cool 20 style. I don't even know what that looked like, but Okay. Imagine you're 1922, and you're here at the movie theater, and this is the screen. Now, you know it would be different? I, I hope it wouldn't be the computer size. Okay, you guys are right. It would be black and white. Did you guys know that movies used to be black and white? I hope so. That's like, that, that hasn't been like that different. Okay. But, but, but this, is, this, is the, this is the thing that blew my mind. A hundred years ago, people would walk into the movie theater, sit down on their seats, I'm going to watch a movie with you. Yeah, the screen is, is black and white. But guess what else is going on? There was no sound in movies 100 years ago. Like, like imagine, Adrian, I, yeah, sorry, Aisley, you're shocked. Okay, like, imagine, like, you're walking into, like, the movie theater, and, like, you are stoked, like, bro, the Avengers just came out. And, like, Captain America throws his shield and, like, hits, like, Hits Thanos and like imagine how awkward that would be. Okay, like a hundred years ago, a movie had no sound. Is anyone's mind blown? A few of you guys. Okay, fine, fine, fine. The bottom line is, is that is that waiting, not just a few years, but hundreds. Come back and come. A hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred years. Are you guys tracking with me with, like, how long that would be? Like, pay attention, guys. Like, are you tracking with me? But, like, just in the last, like, 10 to 15 years, like, our world looks different. Like, like a few years ago, there's no such thing as COVID-19. Like, like there, the amount of changes, shh, shh, bring, hey, guys. Like, the amount of changes that can happen so fast. Imagine hundreds and hundreds of years. 
And if you know the story of the people of Israel, you know that, that during these hundreds of years, they, most people continued to, to worship idols and turn away from God. And during these years, they were overtaken by empire after empire, right? Like you got the Babylonians, then the Assyrians, then the Greeks. And then eventually, this great empire known as Rome came in. Everyone say Rome. And they were, they were brutal. They would, they would punish people. They would hang people on crosses if they spoke up against them. They would, they would pay taxes. Or they would, they would charge the people of Israel taxes. The people of Israel in those years needed hope. Everyone say hope. The people of Israel in these years needed hope, much like you and I in this room, although in a totally different circumstance, you and I need hope. And what I want to invite you guys into just over the next few minutes as I, as I lean into this message, what I want you to do is I want you to be real with yourself, okay? Everyone, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Everybody look at me. Come on, there we go. I want you to be real with yourself. Because reality is it's so easy to kind of live our lives and like the hard things that happen in our lives, we just try to ignore them, right? Like I'm a really optimistic person. It's like when something hard like happens, usually I'm kind of like, oh, I'll just act like that didn't happen. Like, look, I can watch basketball. Sweet. Like, like it's so easy to distract ourselves, right? Like it's so easy, like when we're, when we're going through difficult things or there's things that make us feel hopeless or scared or worried or fearful, like it's so easy to try to ignore those. And friends, I'm inviting you guys to be mature, to be young men and young women, and to listen to this message. I want you to be honest with yourself about where you need hope in your life today. Because the reality is, is that all of us are living in brokenness. All of us have things in our family or with our friends or in our schools or in our world where we need hope. Hope. Everyone say, I need hope. So this is what I, this is what I want to talk about is, is if, if, this, if the Hebrew meaning for this word hope is, is yachal, to, to wait, then what does it, what does it mean to wait and, and why is it important to wait? There's this Jewish writer and he says, waiting patiently. Everyone say patiently. Some of you guys hate that word too. Me too sometimes. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. And you see, what I want to suggest to you guys is that waiting can be frustrating, but, but when we learn to wait on God and put our hope in God, guess what, guys? That is the only thing that when you put your hope in God, you will not, you will not be let down. You will not be disappointed. You may, you may have questions of like, God, I'm not sure what you're doing with this. I'm not sure why there's this difficult situation in my life or in my family. But when you wait on the Lord, you will have hope that lasts. Everyone say hope. Okay, so I want to I read a passage real quick in Isaiah chapter 40. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Isaiah 40. I saw some of you guys bringing your Bibles in when I was outside green. I'm so proud of you guys. I love it. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 40, and we're going to start reading in verse 27. It will be up on the screens as well. Oh, all right. Isaiah 40, verse 27. A lot of you guys know this passage. This the book of Isaiah is written while the people of Israel are in the middle of exile, captivity, and slavery to the country of Babylon. Okay, so they are in a tough spot and they desperately need hope. And this is what the prophet Isaiah writes. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My right is disregarded by my God. Basically, the people of Israel are saying, God's left me. God doesn't care 
that I'm in, I'm in slavery, that I'm in bondage, that, that life is difficult. He doesn't care about my suffering. He's far off. The prophet's saying, why do you say these things, that, that your right is disregarded by God? Verse 28, have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. For even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Verse 31, pay attention here. But they who, what does that say? They who wait for the Lord. Everyone say, wait for the Lord. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Friends, I want to suggest four simple things to you guys about waiting on the Lord this evening. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down. Number one is that when we wait on God, we learn to trust him. All right, when we, when we wait on God, we learn to trust him. Everyone say trust. Everyone say trust. Come on, don't be distracted tonight, guys. I'm waiting for you guys. Come on, lean in. When we wait on God, we learn to trust in God. How many of you guys have ever had a, a time in your life where, like, you're praying for God to do something? Right? Like probably a lot of us. Like you're, you're praying for God to, to do something or maybe, maybe like you come into your quiet times and like you're sitting there like you've got some worship music on. You're reading your Bible and like, God, would you, would you speak to me? And often in, these, often in these seasons where we are praying and believing for God to, to do something, to, to, to change something, to transform something, with something difficult, where there's brokenness in our lives, we're wanting God to bring change to it. Often... It's been my experience, I think, for probably many of you, you felt this. But often, when you pray for those things, you have to wait, right? Like, like how many times have you guys prayed for something, believed for something, and, and what you have to do is, is wait, right? Like, and let me tell you, like, it's hard. It's frustrating. Like, I've been following Jesus for, like, over a decade, and, like, I still don't like it sometimes. Like, sometimes when I pray, like, God, would you do this? Like, I want to see it right then, right? Like, like who, who's in the same shoes? Like, like, when you pray something or, like, believe for something, it's like, you want God to, like, to, like, to come through, to bring a change, to, 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 like, to do what you're hoping for him to do. But often when we are waiting on the Lord, listen to me, when we wait on the Lord, what the Lord is actually doing is developing our trust in him. Are you guys tracking with me? Like, like when, we're, when we're busy in the seasons of like, Lord, would you do this for me or would you give me this? Like, would you do this in my family? It's, it's not wrong to pray those things, but sometimes we become so focused on like getting the answer to this thing. It like, it becomes like a lens that we see the world through. And, it's, and when we focus so much on this thing, we don't see that God is actually doing so much in us and that he's inviting us into closer relationship. Everyone say relationship. And you see, God, doesn't, God, God isn't just like a genie in the bottle. And it's actually loving that he's not. If he were just to give you everything that you want, guess what? Like, you would stay immature for the rest of your life. Like, same with me. Like, if, if I were just to pray and, like, God's like a genie in a bottle, like, okay, cool, like, here's this. Like, I, would, I wouldn't actually know God closely. Because in our seasons of waiting, God develops our trust in him. So number one, when we wait on the Lord... We learn to trust him. Number two, everyone say number two. 
when we wait on God, we see God reveal his strength. Look at, look at this passage again. Verse 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their what? Their strength. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Now pay attention to this. Often when we, when, when we as Christians like read this verse, we focus so much on those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Okay, so I just need to wait really well, right? Like how many of you guys have ever, ever like felt that? It's like, okay, like wait for the Lord and like you shall renew your strength. So that means like I need to try really hard to, to, to wait, whatever, whatever that means. Like I'm going to try to be a really good waiter. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you actually read this, read this verse in context, if we go back to verse 28, what does it say? It says, have you not known, have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Friends, hear me tonight. When you wait on the Lord... It's not on you to try to figure out how you can have enough strength, okay? Like for those of you, everyone listen, everyone listen. For those of you like you're in a difficult season and you're waiting for God to do something, it's not on you to try to muster up enough strength to have faith, okay? It's not on you just to try really, really, really hard to believe that like God's gonna, God's gonna do something. It's not on you to try to muster up your own faith or strength, but what this verse is saying is that the Lord is the one who is everlasting. The Lord is the one that has all power and he is able to give us his strength. Okay, so that's number two, is that when we wait on the Lord, we see God reveal his strength. Number three, when we wait on God, we have assurance that all things will be made right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and just turn over like a few pages to Isaiah 42. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. It says, this is a prophecy about Jesus, the coming Messiah. Isaiah 42 says, Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice. If you have your Bible, I want you to underline that word, justice. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. All that means is that he's not going to come yelling and screaming to bring justice. It says he will faithfully bring forth justice. If you have your Bible, underline that word again, justice. Take note of that. Verse 4, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice. Everyone say justice. Until he's established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his law. Or in the NIV translation, it says, He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands or coastlands will put their hope. Everyone say hope. What is, what is this verse saying? You, you might be like, what does this have to do with anything? Let me explain to you. When we read this, this passage, it's a prophecy about what Jesus will come and do on earth. And it says that Jesus will bring forth justice. Now, now for some of us in this room, like justice is kind of like an icky word, right? Like, like you may think justice is like someone like, like coming to your school classroom and like sending people to the principal's office, like being like, like super hard, right? Or like, like, like justice can seem kind of like mean, right? 
But the, but the reality is that when we talk about justice in the Bible, it's actually the sense of Jesus making all of the wrong things right. Everyone say right. Meaning, meaning this. And everyone listen. Everyone listen. Stay with me. Stay with me. When we talk about justice in the Old Testament, when we talk about the Messiah coming to bring justice, the hope that we have as Christians is this. That one day Jesus will come back. He will, he will come back from the heavens and he will make all things new. Everyone say all things new. He will come back and he will make all things new. Which means this. That all the brokenness, the pain, the suffering that we face on earth, Jesus is going to do away with that. Again, some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to hear this because you, you feel like you're going through a lot of pain right now. You're going through something that maybe it just feels unjust. Or you're, you're looking around the world saying, how, how can so many bad things happen in, in a world that God created? This is, this is the nature of what sin does. It corrupts us. But friends, hear me. We as Christians have hope. We have hope because we have the promise that Jesus will come back and he will make all the wrong things right and he will make all things new. This is who Jesus is. That We who believe in Jesus, that when he comes back, friends, hear me. When Jesus comes back, we will spend eternity with him and death, sin, and hell will be gone. Okay, Jesus will do away with those things. And so we have hope in Jesus because we know that we have assurance that all things will be made right. Number four, everyone say number four. It's the last point. When we wait on God, we find God's promise of hope, which is Jesus Christ himself. JLo, you can go ahead and come on up for, for worship response. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn back just to the very beginning of Isaiah in chapter 7. We're going to have it up on the screen as well. It's a familiar passage for many of us. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this. This is another prophecy that's fulfilled in the person of Jesus. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Everyone say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Emmanuel is this, is this word and it means God with us. Okay, this, this word Emmanuel means God with us. Mr. Jacob, you can go ahead and bring the lights down. And in this promise in Isaiah, what the prophet is saying to the people is that, is that behold, a virgin will give birth. If, if you've read scripture before, you know the story of Advent and of Christmas, you know that this virgin is Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? And, and Mary con, uh, conceives and bears a son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Isaiah 7 that his name shall be Emmanuel. This word, this, this name Emmanuel means God with us. Everyone say God with me. Everyone say God with me. This word Emmanuel means God with us. And friends, this is the good news that we get to remember at Advent. Everyone pay attention. The good news that we get to remember in this, in this season of Advent as we look back to the birth of Jesus is that Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came, the very Son of God, the one that created everything. He came down to earth. And he was born as 
a baby. And for like a lot of you, like maybe you've grown up in church, like this is just kind of a familiar story, right? Like for a lot of you, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's Christmas time, like celebrate baby Jesus in the manger, like we sing a few Christmas carols. Friends, hear me tonight. The beauty of Jesus coming down and, and being born as a baby, a baby who, who he like, he needed, he needed help. He was, he was a helpless little baby. But God cares for you and for me so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to be born as a baby to give us hope. He sent Jesus to give us hope. You know what Jesus coming down to earth represents? It's this. That God cares for you. That God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to raise back to life, so that you could have a relationship with him. Like these, are, these are simple things, but friends, like, like Jesus couldn't have died on the cross and rose again like if he wasn't born as a baby, right? Like, like he lived a human life so that he could give you and I hope. And we talked about this hope a few weeks ago in the book of Colossians. In Colossians 1, it says that the great mystery that God has revealed is Christ in us is the hope of glory. Right? And like, like what we read in Colossians is that, that the very presence of Jesus is in you and me. And you know what this means for us? It means that we're not alone. Okay, hear me tonight. Everyone listen. Everyone listen. I want you to get this. Because if this is just a fact that you know in your head but you don't really believe in your heart, it means nothing. Hear me tonight. You are not alone because Jesus is with you. So this is what I want us to do. I want everyone to go ahead and I want you to stand up and spread out around this room. I don't want you to be with any of your friends, talking to anyone. Stay focused with me guys for just five more minutes. Five more minutes. You can go wherever you want. I just don't want you to be distracted. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend just a few minutes in a time of, in a time of worship. And we're going to sing this song. It's called Be Strong. And it's this song. It's, it's kind of a prayer that we can pray over ourselves. And as we, as we sing this song, this is what I want you to do. I want you to think of a few things in your life that seem really difficult right now. That seem really hard. You see, you see brokenness in these areas and you need the hope of God. You need Jesus who is our hope. You need him to help you. You need him to, to walk with you. You need his joy. You need his peace. And as we sing this song, I want you to to, to, to bring those things to mind and I want you to sing this over yourself and later on in the song we start singing of what God has done. It says, he pulled me out of the pit. He, he put a song on my lips. He set my feet on a rock. He spoke a word to my heart. Which maybe you're like, huh, God's never like literally done that for me. What does this mean? What this means is that we sing this song, it's, it's a metaphor for God sustaining us, for God 
being there for us, for God carrying us through the difficult things in our life, for God never leaving or forsaking us. So friends, as we sing this, I want you to sing this over yourself to remind your soul of the goodness and faithfulness of God. Just go ahead and just stay where you're at and fix your eyes on Jesus who is your hope.